0: Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Hootat Jedi podcast. This is episode 181, if you're keeping track. My name is Aaron, as always, hasn't changed yet and what also hasn't changed is uh dave and fredo joining me so hi guys how are we doing hello
1: hello hello, doing okay
0: by the way i gotta say i was listening to uh um this week's um uh saints happy hour podcast mm-hmm. and so you can t- you can tell the guy i don't know if you, how much you talk to the guys i think you're probably they know you because your name gets dropped on their uh on their podcast every now and again by the way, mm-hmm. I love the beginning of their podcast because it's just like romper room. Like, you know, it's like looking through the mirror. Like, I see Fredo and I see Dave. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. no, that, so they were talking at one point they were talking about how they wanted to play a recording from the uh, the live podcast that they did, and they mm-hmm. said the problem was there was a metronome running through it. And Ralph <laughs> was like, What's what's a metronome? And then Andrew had to explain what a metronome was. And there's like, how did that happen? And I'm in. I'm sitting there going, I know. You're recording using GarageBand. The default is to have a have a metronome on. And if you don't click that off, then whoever just hits record, you're not going to hear it until you go to play it back. I think one of the first episodes we did, Dave was like, "There's this clicking noise going on the entire time. What's that about?" <laughs> so, um, live and learn, right? So yeah, for for the well. I don't even want to start pushing buttons. I could I could demonstrate it, but anyway, it was just kind of funny. It, it reminded uh-huh. me of about 180 episodes ago. Um, so, um, well, here we are. It is the 14th of December. Um, so this is, I think, what well, we've decided this is probably going to be our last one for the year because we're all you know going over the river and through the woods to various places, which that's based that's the Thanksgiving song, but you know. We're going to be dashing uh-huh. through the snow. Um, but uh, yeah, so this episode is, you know, the past couple of years, we've done um, our favorite things. So it's just things that we've kind of nerded out over, just that things that we enjoy. Um, I'm not going to lie. I I start wondering, somehow I lose years because it's like, did I mention this one last year? And have I been listening to or doing this thing for a, just a year? Or is it too? so if I repeat something that I had from last year, sue me, I still like it. So, um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, but we got some news and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be our favorite things episode. So uh, anyway,
2: hey, Aaron, if you repeat yourself, it just means you feel that passionately about it.
0: Yeah. It has nothing to do with the fact that I'm in my, you know, now 50 and, you know, I still, there's times where I, I picked this up from my dad and I'll at least be honest and I'll say to, I'll say to Britt, I was like, I don't know if I said this out loud or in my head. So I'm just going to say it again. Um, cause you know, you have great conversations with yourself sometimes, but, uh, um, but yeah, so, uh, there we go. Um, yeah. Anything big this week for you guys?
1: For, for me, really? Well, they, they just had a uh, recital. So that was big for him. And, uh, right how was
2: how did that go uh that was good yeah uh our youngest okay so our youngest is in uh dance
0: hip-hop and so she had a dance recital it wasn't like Uh, the dance recital from grown-ups too was it i've never seen seen grown-ups too okay i
2: don't know but like um i don't know it's cute fun you know holiday theme
0: by the way i want to pause for a second yeah. every time you guys mention you know have you seen this movie and i say no you guys go you haven't seen this movie i just <laughs> asked have you seen grown-ups too and you're just like no i haven't seen grown-ups too and i let it go i'm just saying anyway keep going so the recital was like oh, we're not
2: talking about <laughs> diehard here sir <laughs> die Hard and grown-ups too are in completely different stratospheres welcome to the party pal and i will say this adam sandler I, I enjoy early vintage Adam Sandler. He found it. formula. But after you've seen about three or four of those movies. Did you
0: watch the uh, Sean Payton one that, uh, that oh, his, his production yeah. company put together?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that was uh, with the uh, – what's his face? Um, with the – The guy who looks Kevin nothing James. Al- Yeah, Kevin, Kevin James. James. Yeah. Who looks nothing like Sean Payton at all. Um, yes.
0: Yeah, we sat down and forced ourselves to watch that thing. And – it was, like, aggressively mediocre. Hey, I will say, Fredo, I will tell you this. And sorry, we stepped all over. We want to hear about your kids' recital some more here in a second. But I got to tell you, I watched probably about half of Goonies um, two days ago. Britt was watching it and when I came home. And so I ended up watching it. I was like, well, this is kind of good. I'm going to have to watch the whole thing. I've never seen Goonies before. Um, so, Anyway. Yeah, I know. A, right?
2: a lot of people think that it doesn't hold up. Like when they go back and they watch it, and it's just like, you're just a bitter, jaded adult. That's the problem, right? You just, like I think I the think movie. I think you just
0: described most Star Wars fans, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I think the movie still
2: works on its own merits. And I will say this like, if you came in part way, I love the opening of that movie like it's an all
0: timer for me the way that movie starts so maybe i'll, um, maybe I'll do that during the holiday break uh, just because i have a lot of people on my back about that one but anyway dance you're, you're out of dance recital right
2: yeah yeah no and it, everything went swimmingly harper did great uh Nathan is in the middle child is in tennis and they just wrapped no tournaments or anything of that nature. But he, uh, I didn't, I was informed that his forehand has improved exponentially. And then uh, Olivia, the eldest, is in karate and she is testing for a blue belt this weekend. So
0: they are all progressing in their given interests. So have you guys started playing? All I want for Christmas and my two front teeth and. For every time Nathan walks into the room, or we're not doing that
1: to him. No, <laughs>
0: uh, I, if he
2: pisses me off, maybe, maybe.
1: No, I was gonna, I was just gonna say that they are progressing in their Padawan learner studies, you know, yeah, yeah that, exactly. That dance and uh, karate, martial arts, tennis, lightsaber. There, there you go. Know. Yep, you know, we gotta process it, process it into other It's Kind of like a, the karate kid which you've seen, right?
0: I have seen The Karate Kid. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> not, the, not the new version either. I've no, seen, no, yeah, no, no, right? no, 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 no.
1: We, whenever we say that with that movie, we mention the original. We don't, we don't talk about the new movie. Uh, no well, for have views.
2: you guys seen the TV show, though? What I
0: was never was watched TV Cobra show? Kai. I wanted to. I heard that it was oh, good. Hi. Yeah, I heard oh. that it was really good. Uh, I haven't had a
2: chance. It's all right. It's all right. I got about through two seasons or so, and then it just it kind of became... You know, it's, it's soap
0: opera-ish, I would say, at that point. You, you know? know, my my thing is is that I mean, because I I'm it seems like every night I am doing something, whether it's you know going to the Irish session or doing this podcast or um, you know playing a gig or whatever. So it, I, I like my my TV watching is sporadic. So to dedicate myself to an entire season. Um, and I know this is a Netflix thing, so it's kind of like, you know, a la carte whenever you want to, but, uh, that's just tough anymore is to, you know, just to, to dedicate yourself to, you know, sitting down and do a season. But however, the star Wars stuff, the Disney plus stuff, Britt and I tend to, uh, to get those, uh, watch. So, um, well, all right. Well, um, I don't, I still don't think we're going to talk about the saints. Um, Nebraska right now is, uh, playing in the volleyball semifinals and they were up two sets to nothing. So, um, go Huskers. Uh, but Hey, let's get into it. Um, let's get into our podcast. That's all about star Wars and our favorite things, but we're going to start as always with trivia. All right, Dave, here's a softball. Who does Obi-Wan describe as our only hope? I'm not even going to read it a second time. You're, you're muted or dave just doesn't know yeah. the answer kids he's stumped oh,
2: he's <laughs> completely stumped yeah um it's not that he's an old
0: man who doesn't know how to unmute himself uh i think that was uh, luke skywalker it was luke skywalker and yeah. people not knowing to unmute themselves is a daily occurrence in my life so it's yeah. happens in about every meeting at least once or twice um <laughs> that's better than the alternative which is to not mute yourself and then do something inappropriate yeah all right Fredo, to you what creature causes c-3po to shriek go away beastly little thing shoo shoo it's my favorite line from empire strikes back
1: that would be a my knock
0: my knock your knock their knock it is a my knock all right to me, who informs Governor Tarkin that the Death Star has entered the Alderaan system? Oh, crap. Um, well, I'm, I think it's General Taggy. Oh, Admiral Motti. Ugh. Screwed it up. Oh, well. See, I wish I could have had the Minot question or the... Who does Obi-Wan <clears throat> say was... his only hope. All right. Oh, well. Admiral Motti it is. Uh, Cool. Well, let's get to some some news.
1: Yeah, let's do a little bit of news. And uh, uh, remember a few weeks ago we were talking about some of the auctions going around Solis memorabilia? Well, we just had something that went on auction and broke a record. So uh, during an auction held this last week by the Rock Island Auction Company uh, in 2022, actually it was in 2022 that the uh, auction was held, but apparently it was confirmed... Now that uh, it broke a record for most expensive prop on sale ever in the world, what was the prop? Take a guess.
0: Well, it's in the notes.
1: Yeah, no, I know it's <laughs> Han Solo, yeah, it's Han Solo's DL forty-four heavy blaster. He went for a record one million fifty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. So, starting next year, Guinness Book of World Records will say. That Han you know, Solo's blaster is the most expensive prop in movie history.
0: If, if two props that I would love to have, one would be the Skywalker lightsaber. Um I mean I have the replica, you know, the from Disney, Hasbro whatever from Disney. Um but Han Solo's blaster would be a close second. That thing just looked cool from the get-go and it bothered me in like 1978 when the kenner toy didn't look exactly like it did in the movie it's like the scope was a little bit too high i mean it, it looked pretty good but it just it bothered me it didn't look perfect but anyway um yeah that would be a that would be a cool thing to have if i had money to drop on it
1: that's what's interesting it's, it's i think one the the one prop that i can think of from the original new Hope that you actually get good close-ups of during the movie. You know, the whole scene when uh, Han is unholstering it and pointing at a credo underneath the table, you're getting a good, nice look at it, whereas... That sounded uh, dirty. I know, I know. (laughs) Meanwhile, you know, the lightsaber doesn't really get, you know, a hero moment. Like, it gets turned on for a moment, but it's not a... It's not like they go, behold. You know, anyway... So it's just it's interesting that now it's gonna be in the Venus Book of World Records.
0: You get a good shot of the Skywalker Saber in uh Force Awakens. Very good. Yeah, it's a very good very one. true, very so. true. Anyway. So uh again, a million dollars.
1: If you had a million dollars, in, would you buy the blaster?
0: If I if I had a million dollars, would I buy the blaster? <laughs> if I had a million dollars to drop on something, yeah. <laughs> if I had a million dollars to drop on something, I mean, you know, after I took care of you know the hungry and the homeless yes i'd buy star i'd buy han solo's blaster yes that's Mm -hmm. the problem right the the, all the world issues and problems out there
2: that people don't tend to address when they have uh you know obscene
0: wealth but however what i want to know is who bought this my guess is that this is going to be somebody who owns like a shop and it's just going to be nothing more than to get people in the door. This isn't like, I mean, very well could be an individual that just wanted Han Solo's blaster, but more than likely it's somebody who owns a shop and it's like, you know, Han Solo's blaster is in, you know, the shop and people are gonna go watch and then they're gonna go spend $150 on an autograph, you know, record or something.
1: No, but I was gonna say if if it was one person that could combine both of those things, it would be Kevin Smith. <laughs> so it'd be funny if that was him because he would be the kind of guy to drop a million dollars on Han Solo's blaster, and he could put it in his comic book shop in New Jersey, and charge people to come in and uh, come in and see it, and then hey, while you're here, buy uh, something autographed for 150 bucks.
0: But yeah, so, after after yeah. we took care of the the homeless and the hungry, then I mean, yes, then I would buy Han Solo's blaster.
1: Uh, so next bit of news, right? Uh, David, right quick, did you ever play the video game tie in to the episode, episode one, The Phantom Menace on PlayStation?
0: I did not. I, no.
1: I gap, did. I you did oh, wait a minute. No
0: I, no, I played Jedi Power Battles. Was that it?
1: No, I'm talking about the one that had the movie poster where he took control over Qui Gon, Obi Wan, Padme, and Anakin.
0: Well, I, like I said, it sounds a lot like Jedi Power Battles, but yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I played. But anyway,
1: no, th- this one followed the, the okay. storyline of uh, of uh, Episode One. So what's interesting is I remember playing it in PC back in 1999 when it came out. Apparently, they're still intending to have it release for PS5 and PS4. So sometime next year, you're gonna it's gonna be added to the PlayStation Classics lineup. So kind of like they brought back uh, Episode One Racer. And they brought back all those other older 90s Star Wars video games. Uh, Their intent is to bring this one back. So it'll be interesting to see how. I'd love to see how, particularly, you know, know, Dave, since he's been involved in a lot of retro gaming this past year, seeing how it holds up for him.
0: Did you guys see that there's a uh, replica of the uh, Atari 2600 that's been released? Yes. Anyway, Dave, you were going to say something, then I stepped in. Go ahead.
2: Oh, no, no, no. I don't, I don't have much to say because I just never played this one. Um, mm-hmm. I'll add it to the list. You know, i got a bazillion games on this stinking to-do list. Um, it's like, it's a little intense. So there are moments where you're just like, I'm not going to look at that thing. I'm not going to think about all the things. Because you can never play everything. every game. It's impossible. Um, and so that's part of the reason I do that. I am actually like going through older games and playing them and reviewing them is because like, maybe that's helpful for somebody out there to see that they know like, okay, I can waste my time with X, Y, and Z, but I don't have to bother with a, a, and B. So, um, I don't know. That's, that's kind of why I'm doing it. Um, mostly too, for my kids sake. Cause I want them to play the classics, but I don't want them to have to navigate that world without it, some kind of a roadmap. You
0: you will play asteroids.
2: <laughs> well, that's the thing too, right? Like those are the sorts of crazy decisions. Like, yeah, you could play asteroids for five minutes and say, "Well, I'm good." Um, but like, if you really want to get the most out of it, you have to like really devote some time to it. And then is asteroids better than? space invaders or yes uh galaga or, or what mm, have no. you you know
1: <laughs> but thinking about that uh dave and it's, a, and it's an interesting point back when we were the your kids age we had that whole i mean we didn't have the internet we had a whole network of other kids who gained you know, or played the same video games you know and everybody would be sharing tips on how to beat a game or showing you the trick how to get past the level. Now I guess because the internet exists, you could look it up. You could even look at uh, Let's Play YouTube and show you how to get around that, that sort of thing. But it doesn't feel the same kind of way like it used to. Where you know, if you were playing, uh, like say uh, uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out, for example, the technique to how to get past a certain fighter, or if you're playing, say uh, uh, Ninja Guy, and, you know, some you know those old video games. where it wasn't that it was not just strategy. Sometimes it'd be a little trick that you would have to know how to do and uh, back then it was just word of mouth but everybody knew or you know because everybody's playing them i got now, i
0: i got nintendo i subscribe subscribed to nintendo power and got the uh the insight on how to beat the boxers in mike tyson's punch out mm-hmm. um and i ended up beat. i remember the morning i beat mike tyson um yeah it was anyway
2: that was one thing that we i don't know if we talked about it on a previous show or not but it is something that's like very definitively clear like those older games were designed to be hard so that you would the lifespan of the game would go up you wouldn't feel cheated that you bought some fifty dollar game and then it you were done with it in a weekend um but then there was a cottage industry built around them being difficult which was like the tip lines and the magazines and all these things so that you could get help because kids would get stuck Mm-hmm. You think about like as an eight-year-old kid you know you're playing some of these games and they're just not designed to be intuitive
0: <laughs> and it's like oh, it? you're a SOL, <clears throat> kid you know no no actually for a few dollars extra did you? i, I know we talked about it on the show before you you sent me i think the link to the guy who was it beat mike tyson's punch out in like three minutes or something like that <laughs> something insane or seven minutes one, or something. There was there was one video of two of, of one guy blindfolded. Yeah, yeah, or they're one both guy blindfolded was or something.
2: The movement and the other guy was controlling the punches. And and like two different guys were doing two different inputs and
0: they were both so locked in to oh, that's yeah, we're talking about two totally different things because one I okay. watched was a single guy who was blindfolded and oh
2: yeah the blindfolded guy and oh, beat mike yeah.
0: tyson's punch out just i yeah. mean talk about the muscle memory anyway sorry that's sorry kids that's not what you came here for today but um phantom <laughs> video true. game coming to uh PS store cool all right
1: yeah yeah, yeah no but it's it's the kind of thing because you know it's uh, it kind of no just dragging up memory because that's how it used to be you know and so you uh, know, i remember because this is the kind of game that when it came out i don't think it got good reviews and other people liked it but I remember people playing it just because and then you get a little bit of uh movie tie in footage that Oh, okay that's the uh, reminder of the movie.
0: Well, this is uh, here's the interesting thing it's like f- for me I can forgive like I'd love if, I, if there was an asteroids machine I would play asteroids if there's a donkey kong machine a pack I'm playing that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can forgive it for you know being 8 bit and looking cruddy, right? Mm-hmm. But when I bought uh Star Wars Racer for my Switch, mm-hmm. I remember playing that on my brother-in-law's uh, what Nintendo sixty-four, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, whatever it came out on, and how awesome it looked. And then so here I am, I go to watch, you know, play it on my Switch, and it just looks like junk. And I wonder if it's just because the graphics at, were starting to become actually, you know, pretty good that now compared to now they look like crap whereas we knew that donkey kong and galaga and all those things just that you know they looked like a kid cut things out of construction paper you know it looked like the original series you know uh season of south park um mm-hmm. i don't know you know so i so i like said the racer was a letdown for me um but anyway i digress. yeah this. i remember
1: yeah no so we'll, we'll move on we'll move on actually we'll move on to other bits of news about video games just right quick because the head of gaming for Disney, Sorry. Uh, Mr. Sean Shotta. Sorry, I have to interrupt.
0: Was... Nebraska volleyball no. is going to the national championship game, so Woo-hoo. go big red. Go ahead.
1: No, 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 That's that's breaking news. I don't have uh, much. To,
0: I don't have much to brag about in the sports world. Give me one thing, anyway. Go
1: ahead. <laughs> <laughs> by all means, Yeah. So, uh, Disney head of game, a video game, Don Shotta sat down with Axios last week. Uh, to discuss about plans for Disney gaming because what's interesting is there's a lot of conversation and he kind of mentioned there's a lot of people talking, telling uh, Disney to purchase a a video game company, kind of do the same thing that they did with Marvel and did with uh, Lucasfilm, do it in video games, you know, just rather than build a Disney gaming company, buy one. And rumor is buy Electronic Arts, which I don't know if you know, Electronic Arts is one of the biggest like no video game companies in the world Mm -hmm. it's like hold on uh didn't they right now it's it's yeah you know it's valued at something like several billion dollars which disney's got uh but it's also because uh, the point of discussion was what disney has been doing ever since they um uh they came into possession of all these ips is they partner with companies and some of those partnerships have led to good video games, like the Star Wars Jedi series. Uh, we get next year Star Wars Outlaws. You get the uh, Marvel Spider-Man collaboration with uh, Insomniac. But then it also leads to some stuff like part of the Battlefront Two fiasco with uh, with um, EA. So, but he said, right now they're just liking it the way it is because there's a lot of stuff they could do, uh, and in some other instances. Uh, they're comfortable just partnering for right now, which I think it's interesting because, uh, it tells you that they, even though they have this unlimited wealth, they don't want to take over and just buy a company and just to say, make, you know, more Disney video games. Yeah. And I mean, time...
0: I, I don't have much to say. Yeah. I, I know, mm-hmm. you know, my first reaction when you started reading this is like, does Disney need another thing? Um, you know, yeah, no, no. but um, you know, and it's also who knows how you know, some companies, um, you know, part of their, you know, part of their just DNA is mergers and acquisitions. You know, um, I don't know if Disney is that because Disney's just done their thing and been Disney and been very successful. It's not like we need to acquire to add new technology to our product you know that's what google does that's what salesforce does that's what you know other you know tech companies do they 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 acquire startups and things like that so that their cool technology can become part of the product i don't know why disney would need to do that um so i think they probably just need to be you know find a find a company to to team up with and just work with them but yeah
1: anyway it really doesn't benefit them because bringing it in house may give them a bit more control. They're Disney; they put whatever controls they want into the contracts they write, and it's a lot easier to just, you know, farm that out. Know that if it works, hey, we can renegotiate a contract. If it doesn't, thank you so much. We'll go elsewhere. Uh, let's see the next bit of news. So. Oh let me let me jump around. Let me jump around a little bit. Adam Driver was on the Rich Eisen show this uh week. I don't know if you saw his interview, saw clips of it. I, re- uh, they I were talking... read
0: I read a quote from it that made me go, hmm. Anyway, keep going.
1: Yeah. So anyway, let's see let's see if it's this quote. Probably is. So they 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 get into talking about his arc is And so according to him, what he states on the show is uh the original plan for Al was that not what we got for him in episode 9. So apparently he was supposed to become more evil during the trilogy. The quote goes, J.J. Abrams walked me through what he wanted to do with the character, which you had to sign up and be like, I'm going to do it. And once I did that, I went to London to start for pre-production and uh, I was reading the script for the first time. I had an overall arc that in mind J.J. wanted to do. His idea was that Kylo's journey was the opposite journey of Vader, where Vader starts confident and most committed to the dark side, and at the end, he's the most weak and vulnerable. He wanted to start the opposite. He wanted a character that was confused and vulnerable, and by the end of the three movies, he would be at the most committed to the dark side. But I try to keep that arc in mind, regardless of it that wound up being the journey anyway. There's a change while shooting, but I'll still focus on doing that. So he said that Ryan Johnson took that arc in a different direction, but it's still tracked with the character. And then he goes, quote, the last one, it changed into being, you know, about them, and the dyad and things like that, and evolving into Ben Solo. That was never a part of it. He was Ben Solo from the beginning, but there was never a version where we'd see Ben Solo when I first signed up for it, end quote.
0: See, uh, I heard a quote from in there. I can't, I'm not going to try to even mm. restate it. So no, it wasn't. The, I mean, yes, this is the basics of what I heard, but there was something that made me, uh, the, he he used uh, the pronoun he, and it wasn't clear as to whether or not he was talking about J.J. J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson or who. Um, I don't know, this jives with what, you know, people who were concerned with J.J. J. Abrams uh, doing The Force Awakens. I think I heard both you guys, I heard Scott Colesby talk about is that JJ Abrams is great at starting things and not great or doesn't have a history of finishing things. And so, you know, I just, okay. You know, this is what I have in mind and that's not what we end up getting because all of a sudden, I don't think JJ Abrams even had an inkling of an idea that he was going to be doing episode nine. So, um, you know, and so I think he, just had to come up with something to put a bow on the package.
2: I think he, he also kind of defaulted to the writing team. I know that he was involved in that process, but um, he wasn't acting alone. <laughs> uh, it was, um, and we've talked about Rise of Skywalker and how basically none of us feel like that it was a coherent uh, thrill ride of an ending that we might have been hoping for. Um, yeah, none of this is surprising, right? I think like everybody knew that this was reworked. At, at the bare minimum, it was going to be Trevor Rose, uh, tr- um, you know, third part that was going to be crazy and had all these. Insane moments that the the script leaked you know so like once they decided not to go to action it stands to reason they were just going to not go with the original plan they're gonna change things again
0: i will say i like the original plan i think they could have you know yeah and you could have in last jedi you could still have him killing snoke and then just going totally postal and becoming the biggest star Wars villain ever to the point where at the end of the third movie, he's killed by Ray and everybody applauds, you know, I mean, because we didn't need Palpatine. We had somebody even make him, make him worse, make him worse than Palpatine, you know, make a, just a awful villain. Um, we don't need a redemption story. No, we did not. uh
1: and thinking back to it, you remember the uh, leaked script that Colin Trevorrow had turned in. Mm-hmm. That tracks. That script tracks what uh, and Driver's City, The idea of Kylo Ren ultimately, you know, ending up on Mortis and trying to kill Rey, in order to become the ultimate, uh, the new power, the the ultimate emperor. You know, that's what that's what we heard. It, that makes sense with what he's telling us now, you know, and, and I do wonder if maybe, uh, look, Rise of Skywalker, we've said a minute times, there was a lot of issues that it dealt with, uh, you know, they, you know, Peverell gets fired, Abrams gets brought in, they're locked into a release date, which, you know, imagine if they had to try to push that back just six months later, right into the start of the pandemic, who knows what would have happened. So while on the one hand, they had to make a movie, uh, it clearly led to shortcuts and re- uh, re- package, re- refashioning of um, of what the original plan was. So I mean, it's it's understandable. I, I, I do wonder what that would have been like to see Kylo Ren ultimately ascending to like Darth Vader level. This, that would have not been interesting. I mean, you make a piece of what we got ultimately.
0: Yeah.
2: The other thing too here is Adam could be recalling the script that he read from Trevor Rowe and is saying that was the original plan. Uh, and, and you know, the, the, these recollections, sometimes they're not always a hundred percent reliable. The fish
0: was this big. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of, I'm with you on this one. It's like, yeah. I I want to, you know, I want to see minutes from the meeting, you know, type of a deal because it's, again, I've said a gazillion times, it's the, you know, oh, Luke and Leia were always going to be brother and sister. No, they were not. I don't, I don't care. You know, probably what happened was somebody was sitting, you know, on break and said, you know, what if Luke and Leia were brother and sister? And then somebody overheard that and they said, oh, that was the plan the whole time. And they didn't, they missed the second person saying, well, that was a stupid idea. But anyway, (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm with you it's like, you take these with a grain of salt so um, all right. yeah so uh,
1: it's it's the kind of thing where you kind of just make your peace with it and I wonder if, if maybe uh, Adam has made Canto a point in his life where he's just like I did it, I'm glad I did it Let, let's talk about my new movie you know, kind of thing uh speaking of movies
0: i'm sorry there will be i'm sorry there will be a story in like about five seven years time where there's going to be an interview with adam driver saying i'm open to doing star wars again because that's what they all do (laughs) anyway this will be on our news in seven years i'm sure sorry finish your last one fredo no
1: no but it's it's true um so talking about movies this one's more a rumor than a news bit, but let's bring it up. So, uh, according to Jeff Snyder on the Hot Mic Podcast, there is a rumor that rather than give us season four of The Mandalorian, Lucasfilm and Disney might be looking to turn it into the next Star Wars movie, ahead of the uh, new Daisy Ridley Ray movie. So, the rumor is that Even though we get the scripts, remember uh, a few weeks back, John Favreau said that the scripts for season four in place before the writer's strike happened. But because of the writers and actors' strike, uh, uh, the movie that Basie Ridley signed up to star, which was supposed to be the first one, may me getting pushed back. It was originally supposed to start production this spring. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. So they're thinking, well, can we take the scripts from the Mandalorian season four, rework them, and just put out a Mandalorian movie? They're thinking about
0: it. It's funny. I'm spoiled now because part of me is like, so I'm going to get two hours of Star Wars rather than eight? You know, it's... Um, there haven't been, in The Mandalorian, there hasn't been really any filler episodes You know, so I think you'd end up getting a... What? What, Frog Lady? Frog Lady. (laughs) Well, um, I I said there weren't many. Um, But uh, I think you'd end up getting less of a story.
1: And just from the standpoint of uh, the way that we've consumed The Mandalorian, which, by the way, seasons one and two are finally out on Blu-ray. So if you just want to pop them in and watch, what now, that's 16, 15, 16 hours of... Star Wars, that you could just go in one sitting right there if you felt the urge to do so, plus season three, which was on Disney+. Plus, That's one way of telling a story uh, as a TV show. Telling it as a movie shifts some of those dynamics because you don't have come back next week, kids, because we're going to leave this on a cliffhanger. you got to tell a concise beginning, middle, and end, and expectations kind of change when it's on the big screen. So I wonder how you know, I don't wonder whether the story would be good, Russ and John Favreau, but I do wonder how you take what's earmarked to be this, reconstitute into something else, and not lose something in the process.
2: That was a weird decision, To the fact that only the first two seasons came out on Blu-ray. You, you, part of you wonders, is are they going to package three and four? But now is four going to actually be a movie? What are we doing? You know, sort of, it, it, it calls to mind this idea that maybe they're not 100% locked in on what their next best steps are. Um, or at least not everybody's aligned on, on what those steps should be. Uh, and uh, to me, maybe I'm trying to see that because there's so much evidence that that's there, but like, that's just like one more brick on the wall to me. Like, um, like what,
0: why, you know, cause season three has been in the books for 10 months now. Right. Um, it's because Disney wants a movie out, and they want to make Star Wars money, and I think it's a bad decision. I think they should wait to get the Ray movie. So,
2: I I don't know. Ray's a really popular character, and Din Djarin is a really popular character, and Grogu. Um, but yeah, right, all three of those people really popular. So. I think there's a case to be made. You could go in either direction and consider it a, a wise choice, um, but I don't know. Does this story gonna Does the story make sense for, for that format? Are you gonna cut out a bunch of good stuff that we would have otherwise got?
1: To your point, Aaron. Like, I don't know. Um, and also consider that the original idea that they had was. We were going to get season four of Mandalorian. We we're going to get season one of Skeleton Crew. There's a possibility of season two of Ahsoka because their, their plan, between quotes, air quotes, was to take us to the Dave Filoni directed, kind of button up, everybody come together to fight Thrawn, uh, a Mandoverse movie, so to speak. And that was supposed to be the one that followed the, uh, the Ray movie. But now, if you put a Mandalorian movie instead of season four, are you transitioning it to be that, to step into, you know, kind of be a bridge? or And yet it's that your way to say, well, we're going to come out with season one of Skeleton Crew, that's fine, that's it's coming out next year. But then we don't need to do anything else with the other shows or characters. We don't need to do season two of Ahsoka. We don't need to do season four of Mandalorian. We just... We need to get a movie out. This is a way to get, get us there. Can
2: I tell you that I think that the idea of we're not going to do another season of Mandalorian, our most popular Star Wars show, in favor of another Star Wars show that's less popular, be that Ahsoka or what have you, Seems like a really sort of harebrained idea to me. I mean, I, I know that Disney Plus is struggling to keep subscribers and I don't see how this helps that. Um, I don't know. that. I, like uh, Again, I, I'm trying to keep an open mind to the, the, and, and see the wisdom in the idea of doing a movie here. Um, and they're trying to get people back to the box office, make a bunch of money and get all of those things. But again, taking one of your most popular characters who became popular through a particular format, again, that very Ronin, incredible Hulk, Kung Fu, wandering the world, getting into adventures from week to week moving on to the next adventure the following week, that format fits television. This character became popular there. It's probably riskier to go away from that than maybe they're thinking that it is.
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting idea, but it also is fraught with peril and landmines because... It's a different way of consuming things. It's a different way from how we consume this character and this story. This is why, you know, there's always there was always rumors that HBO wanted to finish Game of Thrones with a movie, or they wanted to finish up this, you know, a number of TV, uh, The Sopranos with a Sopranos movie. And everybody gets the idea, oh, it'd be wonderful. We can get a movie and, you know, we'll rake in the money and everybody will go see them. It'll be tremendous. And sometimes that works but a lot of times you know if you have a story to tell but a lot of times it kind of disconnects you from your fan base it disconnects you from the people who like what you're doing because again movies to- storytelling is different from tv storytelling and the way we consume those two things are different so anyway so but that that was that's the rumor is that and then look to your point also david uh regarding disney this is right on track with what we've heard from um uh, bob Iger that he wants more movies That he's not as like he's looking at disney plus like you are an anchor on your feet and i need you to you know be gone so we will instead uh go back to making movies and doing all the stuff that makes us successful so we'll see
0: all right well that it for news That's it. That's it. um, Yeah. So, our favorite things. Cream-colored ponies and crisp apple
1: strudels. Doorbells and sleigh bells and schnitzel with noodles. Wild geese that fly with a moon on their wings. These are a few of my favorite things.
0: Insert music here. Uh, But only (laughs) like 20 (laughs) seconds (laughs) Um, (laughs) left. By the way, I want to ask all advertisers in this. Country to stop using Carol the Bells uh, for your commercials because all, all day long I'm just like, ding, fries are done, ding, fries are done, <laughs> fries ding, are... fries are done, ding, fries are done. <laughs> anyway. Now, the, one
1: that, the version that plays in my head is the one with the Muppets.
0: Ding, dog. All right. So. We're going to talk about our favorite things of 2023, and that was a great segue, Fredo. I'm going to start this off, and here is my, one of my, it's going to, I guess we'll just kind of go around the horn until, you know, lists are exhausted. We didn't say how many we were going to grab. I think I have just a handful, not many, uh, but at the top of my list, on Disney Plus series, Muppets Mayhem. I don't know if you guys watched it, but um, Muppets Mayhem was Wonderful. It was like like all of the, you know, when the Muppet Show, Muppet Show was awesome growing up. And then when Muppets Tonight came out um, what back in like the 90s, early 2000s, I think early 2000s, that was good. Um, all the Muppet stuff after that was just like they didn't get the Muppets. Um, even Frank Oz says that he won't do the Muppets anymore because they don't have the soul um, that the people are doing that but Muppets Mayhem, two thumbs up. They get the Muppets. It was great with that with the group. They added a character, um, but you you like it was kind of a mind screwed to their mind because it's like you think that he's been with the Electric Mayhem the whole time, but it's you know new character named Lips. Um, but it's just I mean Janice is, becomes a cult leader. You know. Um, <laughs> animal becomes a hibachi chef i mean it's just it all these things and it's uh it's like i said it's just so much fun um and if you're a muppets fan you you'll love it so uh, did you guys watch it at all muppets mayhem
1: we didn't get a chance to uh, planning on like doing it during holidays because the muppets and christmas go together like the muppets christmas movie.
2: I, I got so I sat down with the kids and like we're gonna watch this and they just they didn't go for it man and like yeah I really
0: Well, I think it, it plays was, better for the 40s and 50s you know crowd than it does <laughs> the kids honestly but. I, that's
2: the thing it's like that's so hard with the Muppets are such a hard sell nowadays they really are and I love the Muppets so much um but yeah, they, they, they didn't really go for it. And and so like, I don't want to force it. Maybe I'll just put it on when they're in the room, you know, and it's just, eh, you know, feel free to watch along, but no pressure. Maybe that, maybe that's how I handle it.
0: You know, the nice thing that they did with, you know, it's kind of like uh, Rodney Dangerfield's character in Caddyshack, you know, that character works because you get a little bit at a time. He's, he's not like, a huge part of a huge scene and everything. Um, And that's what they do with each one of the, the members of the band is, you know, you don't get too much of one. And so it, it does. It just, yeah, I, I really, and I really dug it. So that's my first thing. That's my first favorite thing of 2023. So Dave, over to you.
2: Here's the kingdom. Legend of Zelda, the newest legend of Zelda game that uh, ate up, Uh, much of my life this year. Um, It was my game of the year. uh, And not like easily. There were other games that I played this year that I really enjoyed. But that that one... um, So for the uninitiated, if you're not up on your Zelda, uh, this was a direct sequel to Breath of the Wild, which was the previous open-world Zelda game that had come out for Switch. And this one uh, incorporated a really unique sort of building mechanic wherein within the game itself you're able to sort of create anything you want like Lego style. Um, and like not only like just create something that it looks kind of cool, but something that actually functions so the, like the physics that went into this thing. Like you, you can create some random car and you think, Oh, that'll never actually, you know, drive along. No, it works. You're, you're driving along on the road and you're in your new car that you just built from scratch. Um, so like, like putting that in context, it's like an incredible achievement, what they did with this thing. I think there's some issues with the game. Um, For a few reasons, I think that it's not quite as impactful as Breath of the Wild was, uh, or or Ocarina of Time, for that matter. Um, But I have it right after those two, uh, as far as like Zelda games that just are incredible, and you should probably carve out the time to try to play them. Um, Tears of the Kingdom, man. It, it, It lived up to the hype for me.
1: Cool. It was really awesome. so all i that Uh For my first one, I'm going to go with uh, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, which was, I didn't get to go to the movie theater as much this year, but it was really awesome. And I usually, with, you know, particularly in the, in the year of our, you know, of our dear partner of Lord 2023, where everybody's bemoaning, you know, comic book movies and sequelitis and feeling the burnout. I found that it found a way to tell a story that was progressing from everything we saw and in Into the Spider-Verse, added whole new layers to its characters, and still managed to leave with one heck of a cliffhanger. I mean, the memory stuck in my head. It's my 11-year-old nephew sitting next to me, and the, we get the final shot to black, and it goes to credits, and he goes, that's where they're gonna leave it? And everybody busts out, because the, the, everybody in the audience had the same reaction. <laughs> It's it was really well done. The animation's terrific. I love the way that they were able to animate like Spider Pop different than say much like they did in into the Spider Verse and the cactus, all this story, and just those ideas and those themes about, you know, owning who you are and accepting that you you know, the power that you have over your life and that you don't have to go down the path of this is the way the story goes for all of us. You know, I thought it was really well done. It's you know, they bet I did see better movies, but is probably
0: the most enjoyable one flat out you know i on a tangent um this isn't one of my favorite things but uh b- but it, you said uh you haven't gone to many mo- as many as many movies in 2023 mm-hmm. i think in the last about year or so Britt and i have gone to more movies than we have and i and en- i realize i enjoy that ex- you know i forgot that i enjoyed that experience um you know it's we've gotten so accustomed to watching things on our big screen TVs, you know, that uh, maybe the movies kind of just didn't, I don't know. We don't, we don't think about it that much, but there's, it's a just fun event. So, but I haven't seen Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the second uh, into the spider verse. So yeah, don't spoil anything. We need to see it.
2: I'll say, I'll try it without spoiling to just say that like, you know what that movie really reminded me of was the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you all saw those, mm-hmm. the, the first three specifically. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second movie, which was Dead Man's Chest, which which just was, it was longer than the first movie. It was more tortured in that it was like it was very yeah. try hard it just wasn't quite as effective as the first movie and it just felt like throughout it was sort of missing something until you got to the very end and then you get a uh, payoff you get uh, an amazing cliffhanger and you're just like oh yeah all right i really want to watch the the, the third chapter now and i like that
0: was kind of my reaction to that movie.
2: Um, Cool. It was just really
0: cool. All right. Well, moving to my next favorite thing. Another thing I've gotten into uh, kind of on the re- in the past couple of years, uh, I've listened to more and more podcasts. That has become, you know, drive time That's become, you know, getting ready for, you know, work time, stuff like that. Um, and a couple, And one of them, I can't remember if I started listening to this in 2022. So forgive me. Um, but smartless, smartless is, uh, it's Jason Bateman, Will Arnett and Sean Hayes. And the shtick is, is that one of them has a guest and the other two don't know who it is. And so when you get the behind the scenes with these guys, they're saying, it's like, you know, they call up, you know, like can now, like if Dave was to bring out his guest, then Fredo and I are frantic on Wikipedia, you know, trying to, you know, find, cause sometimes it's like, I have no idea who this person is. Um, but it just makes for the, the, first of all, the three of them are, are best friends. Um, they give each other so much crud. Um, and it just makes for a fun interview. Um, you get some, you know, kind of inside baseball, you know, uh, Hollywood information, but it's just a highly enjoyable podcast, and I learned about it when I was playing my gig at the Carry, and a guy came and said I just started listening to. I was on my break, and he said I just started listening to Smartless, and then I started listening the next day, and I was hooked. Um, but another podcast I wanted to bring up was uh, one I mentioned, I think, a couple episodes ago. Pivot. Um, this is on the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, so this is uh, tech journalist Kara Swisher, and NYU professor Scott Galloway and again two people who really like and respect each other but don't um they 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 don't shy away from disagreeing with each other and sticking up for themselves um but it's it's tech business politics um it's just an enjoyable kind of news podcast Um, then a third one is the al franken podcast i've started listening to which I loved Al Franken in Saturday night live and in the movies and was a fan of his as a Senator. And now to get kind of the mixture of those two things um, is it's a good podcast as well. So those are my three podcasts that I've just really been, uh, I look forward to every, every week. I don't know if you guys listen to any of those.
2: I don't, but uh, you have piqued my interest a little bit.
0: And actually Smartless has a, yeah. on, um, on HBO max, they, they, they did a, um, a tour that they, they did the podcast live in a, several cities. And so I recommend listening to some of the podcasts before you watch that. Um, but yeah, it's it, like I said, it's just, it's fun to watch three friends just kind of just bust each other's balls. Sorry. So anyway, Fredo, have you listened to any of those?
1: uh not those but I'll, I'll throw them on my list yeah it's uh because my drive time's gotten shorter uh i'm really there's some days where i'm like okay i can't listen to all these so like if i'm cleaning if i'm doing stuff that's what i'll throw on but it's uh i mean i'm always up for a good podcast you know there's something that actually either gets me gets the mind going so it's always kind of good so yeah if i'll try to get my crowd definitely try marvelous that sounds like an interesting one okay. Dave. Dave yeah. next. Um, uh
2: I guess I'll go. Uh, I guess the next thing I'll I'll mention is the um, the Tetris movie. Gee, either of you guys could see that.
0: I didn't know there was. Oh, the Tetris movie about making the game, right?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I yes. didn't. I
0: didn't see it, but it, I've I've heard the story before. You know.
2: Oh yeah, so this, the story behind the, the making of this game is, is sort of intense. It's hilarious because Very of the, all the different dagger, rights. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the rights to the game were convoluted and no one knew who owned it and how to get ownership of it. Um, and so there were all these missteps that occurred along the way. So this movie came out, I think it's on Apple, and it's um, uh, Taron Egerton Uh, who was in um, the Kingsman movies and um, and he's like the main protagonist of this movie and he's trying to he's he's playing one of the real actors in real life who was who was trying to attempt to get the rights of the game and sell it to Nintendo And as we all know, Nintendo eventually did acquire the rights to Tetris and packaged it with the Game Boy and made a bazillion dollars off of this. Um, But the how and the why uh, is this really fascinating story. And there's a lot of good material out there on this story um, that sort of document interview material that documents like what actually went into this. But this is the fictionalized movie that that came out on um, Apple this year, and um, but pretty close to the actual story. I think there's like a chase sequence at the end of the movie that's all made up, right? Um, but beyond that, it, it's pretty accurate. And I just had so much fun watching this thing. I already knew all the backstory already, so I went in with like most of this already in my head. Um, and then I just, but still, even given that, watching it all unfold um, in an entertaining way was still really just sort of enjoyable to see. And um, yeah, it was kind of a surprisingly good movie for me. I, I was like, well, this is this is fun and good, and, and I I highly recommend that one.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. This year seemed like the year where you had a lot of the behind-the-scenes movies about the making of the this seminal thing. Like, you had the Tetris movie. You had the movie about the, the Jordan shoe, you know, with an with, uh, african mm-hmm. Matt Damon. So it seemed like there was a whole line of uh, of movies coming up uh, about, OK, how did this seminal product or thing come to be? And you find that it wasn't as easy as it was made to appear. So uh, right quick, OK. So for me, for my next thing, I'll throw in some music. Uh, uh, first, I'll I'll mention three albums just to kind of keep it short. The, the list short. I can go. I go longer, but I'll just go with three. First, I'll mention. I don't know if you guys heard John Batiste's last album, uh, World Music Radio, which was. I listened, and I do own his previous album, which won Grammy for Album of the Year, and was pretty good. I like this one a bit more. It was this fun and eclectic. I mean, he's mixing. R&B, with jazz, with soul, with hip-hop, with pop, you know, with uh, reggae, and, you know, when he says world music radio, he means that it. it's it's everything, and, uh, you know, he get some good collaborations, like he gets Lil Wayne in there, he gets Lana Del Rey in there, it's, it's actually, it's an album designed to make you feel good, and you put it on and you just let it play, and that's how you end up uh the second album i mentioned is the last album from Hosher, which i don't know if you've heard it's called uh, unreal on earth it's an interesting album because he's he wrote it during the pandemic but it follows like dante's nine circles of hell so every song it's not it's putting a breakup or a relationship through the idea of the nine circles of hell so but it's actually quite quite interesting eclectic fun uh Last album I'll mention is this band by this uh, like epic doom metal band from the UK called Green Lung. It's called This Even Land, which is like if you were to mix Black Sabbath like 1973 Black Sabbath with 2022 Ghost, and you put those things together, it's 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 like the music from uh, The Wicker Man, and I mean the original, not the Nicolas Cage, not the Peace one. So it's very much like almost into prog rock and not quite talking about now, you know like demonic stuff which you know for the holidays might, might, might play in your house i don't know so there you go three album recommendations or music that i was listening to this year that i like
0: uh <clears throat> fun side story uh hozier's uh song um take me to church um mm-hmm. uh, brit said that music you know she has a playlist you know as kids are in the classroom or working on Um, you know, she teaches seniors, um, but you know, so they're working on stuff and she's got, uh, um, a playlist going and that song was on there and kids were talking about how it's a really religious song and she's like, no, it's not
1: it's, it's kind of like a like, hallelujah
0: yes she said exactly that because it's like just because it says hallelujah does why are you playing this at your wedding you know this is not a wedding song you know take <laughs> or, me to church or it's in your
1: Christmas playlist take
0: me to church is not a, is not a religious song kids it's like it little isn't. red Corvette is not about a car um, but anyway um, I digress so uh, my next one um, I'm going to take the easy one Ahsoka Ahsoka series was one of my favorite things. Um, just looked forward to every episode. Um, we've talked about it extensively, so I don't need to say more about it, but I think. Um, and, but, but However, by the way, I've started re-watching the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, series, so I like that one as well, but Ahsoka, like I said, each episode I got excited for the next one, so uh, it was definitely one of my Look forward to it every Wednesday. So anyway. Yeah,
2: I mean we all are in agreement, I think, and we
0: we've talked about it on the show. It's
2: it's good. We've talked about it
0: extensively for several episodes, so we don't need to, you know, go into more about it. It was one of my favorite things.
1: It's on my list too. I like it enough that I want more of it. That's how you know it was good.
2: Yeah, and you start to worry a little bit that you're not going to get more of it because you liked it as much as you did. And, and you're like, oh, no, was it popular enough? Are they going to greenlight it? I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, I think we all felt that way. Uh, I guess the next for me, um, I'll mention The Bear. And this is a TV show Um about a guy opening, uh, well, going back to his roots in Chicago and inheriting his brother's uh, Italian beef restaurant. And then the sort of struggle that he has as this um, like classically trained chef having to go back into sort of like slap food, for lack of a better term, um, and so like the, the dynamics between him and all the different people working at the restaurant, yep. how eventually restaurant that he inherited into a, um, high end restaurant. And, uh, and then there's just, there's a lot, right. There's a lot going on here and there's a lot going on with these people's personalities. Um, very, a lot of type A. Personalities, a lot of people that are constantly butting heads and there's just a lot of um, tension that, that sort of flows through that and um, really sort of remarkable in that it doesn't shy away from those things. I think a lot of people in television tend to like go up to a certain point when it comes to dealing with like your emotions and the heavy stuff. They get up to a point, they'll, they may pay it lip service, but they'll, that they won't just like wade the deep end. And this show wades into the deep end. And what service and, is
1: it on? Uh, on? FX.
2: Yeah, on FX on Hulu. Okay. And um, really, really well done. And again, it's not for everybody. You may watch a couple of episodes and just be like, "Eh, this isn't for me." Um, because like I said, it's, it, it, have it. um, but I think that there's a reward to it. I'm the kind of person that sometimes I'll watch something that's, uh, that makes me uncomfortable. And I'm like, that's enough. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to hit stop and I'm going to walk away because I don't feel good right now. Um, I was able to sit through this and sort of like think on it and reflect and, um, apply some of those lessons in my own life so um, yeah highly recommend The Bear
1: Fredo Uh, next for me Uh, so I mentioned this even though I know it's on a a Star Wars podcast it's probably going to be even nerdier than that Warhammer 40,000 now I've yet to get into the whole buying the plastic model painting them and going to war with them. So far it's just been lore videos and getting into what it is. I've been fascinated by learning about it because I don't know if you guys actually know anything about it. It's, it's, the long and short of it is it's the most depressing uh, i5 fantasy setting ever set in stone. Like it's, You're talking far into the distant future. You're talking humanity's xenophobic, you know, fundamentalist, and somewhat racist, uh, decrepit empire, and it's surrounded on all sides by demons and evil aliens and you know. But the whole idea is behind the lore is that I mean, when you hear the word "Grimdark," this is where it came from. But what makes it so fascinating to me is that in the middle of all that darkness, in the middle of all that awfulness, the whole idea of fighting against it, because you're fighting against chaos. Literally, you're you're literally fighting against the forces of chaos, which are represented by these four chaos gods. Anyway, just it's just been very fascinating. It's it's almost like like learning about like like when you get into Game of Thrones or you get into Lord of the Rings, you know, because it's this living, breathing, fictional universe that keeps getting adapted by this company in the UK, all in an effort to sell you really expensive plastic toys that you put together and paint and hold uh tabletop battles with. So it sounds silly, but like when you start getting into the Lord, it's actually quite, quite me quite cool and uh i was just like now i'll get bored and i'm like i really feel like watching a tv show or a movie go to youtube just while watching lore videos about it and it's just like oh, okay so that's why they do that or you know like if you ever heard the phrase uh blood for the blood god skulls for the skull throne this is where it came from
0: i have never heard those phrase but yeah
1: well, well now, now you have now and next time you hear it you go i know where it's from
2: I, I Googled it and, uh, yeah, that really sh- that what's showing up is a lot of the modeling in the game, the tabletop gaming aspects mm-hmm. of
1: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's all designed around the game, and but you get into, I mean, because ultimately it's about people getting together and following these very nerdy rules about how these armies are going to go together. Some people do that, some people just Buy the models and paint them because they look cool. There's great designs. I mean, just to give you an example, there's one faction in there under the Humanities Empire called the Sisters of Battle, the Adeptus Sororitas, which is like the army, I mean, the church, because it's not allowed to have an army, a male army. They have an all-female army. And they have, like, drop ships, which are literally churches that they drop from low orbit. And they have uh, giant ships that blast holy hymns and holy water, which you know, holy hand grenades, enemies. maybe exactly, exactly. You know, you know, holy hand grenades. Yes, okay. they have holy hand grenades. So it, it just—it's it, silly and it's over the top, and in some ways it gets depressing. But that's part of the appeal. It's It's part, It's it's when when everybody gets to play the bad guy, then everybody gets to have fun. You know. So uh, again, it just—it was something to get into, and it was just like I said watching the lore videos just getting to know more about it again i don't have the room or the time or anywhere near the money to start collecting armies like i'm henry cavill which by the way that's that's what he's doing next is uh a show for amazon based on warhammer so anyway that's it
0: right on well i got one last one um and Mm -hmm. I, i can't remember if i mentioned this on the show last week or two weeks ago or whatever or if it was after we got done recording um And this actually came out in 2022, but I didn't get to experience it until uh, just uh, about a month ago. And that is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Classic Rewind at Disney World Epcot. (laughs) Oh my good Lord, the most fun ride I have ever been on. Imagine if you will, the Haunted Mansion meets Space Mountain. Because what it is, it's an indoor roller coaster. It's in the dark. There are video screens, and so you know the you're you're helping the guardians. You know, get um, something from a um, oh crud. What are the what's what are the thing what's like the thing from the Eternals? What are those called? Um what? The the thing that we're the celestial, the celestial. The, yes, thank the, you. We're trying to mm-hmm. we're trying to we're trying to get something from a celestial. But anyway, um, so it's it's an omnimover car. So you're not facing forward the entire time. You might you're facing one way, but you might be moving to the right, and then they might spin you around. So then you're moving to the left. Um, it was just Brittany and I just giggled and grinned through this entire ride it is so much fun but what makes it even better and it's interesting because we compared it because they had there was another ride we went on for the first time which was tron the life cycle run <laughs> and what makes guardians of the galaxies a fun ride by the way but what makes guardians of the galaxy 10 times better is the queue. and it's like we talked about it, it's like you know Millennium Falcon, Smugglers Run, uh, Rise of the Resistance, Guardians of the Galaxy. They design the queue so that it is – interact. even Seven Dwarves Mine Train, you know, they have things for you to do and it's interactive and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, Tron, they just stuff you in a room and in a, you know, a, a cattle queue and there's nothing – like, you just – I don't know, there's nothing. Um, so it's like, how can they – how can they do guardians and then do Tron like in the exact opposite way? I don't know. But um, like I said, they have, they kind of, they're talking about the big bang and teaching you about the big bang without really shoving it down, without really talking about the big bang. You know what I mean? It's like, they're sneaking up on you and giving you some science and then they've got models from, you know, the movies And... and stuff like that. Um, and they've got little interviews of Peter Quill and, you know, there are other guardians and everything. so it's an enjoyable standing in line, but the ride itself is incredible. And so, yeah. So if you get a chance, um, go most enjoyable ride I've ever been on.
2: High praise indeed.
0: So, you know, Scott Colesby, who's been on the show before, he said it that rise of the resistance, probably the best, Theme park attraction he's ever been on, but Guardians of the Galaxy best roller coaster he's been on. And I would agree with that. It's an incredible roller coaster. So,
2: I right. mean, I'm, I'm marking this down for uh, a future Disney trip. If we can ever afford to go back ever again, I, I, you
0: know. And by be. the way, I figured out the secret to getting the virtual queue. So, okay. If I ever need to know? Let me know because I figured I it was successful every single time. So yeah.
2: Okay. All right. Um, a quick shout out to quick movies, uh, here. Um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, uh, which was just surprisingly fun, and uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Oh, that was a all, good show, yeah, which was also surprisingly fun. To go back to our theme on uh, gaming there, uh, uh, Fredo. I, yep. uh, that movie. <laughs> had no business being as good as
0: it was i you know i didn't want to see it brit wanted to see it and we watched it uh well, on netflix or something like that or mm-hmm. one of it it was yeah it was just really really good i was so they, much
1: they lean into the silliness of the concept of the game and how it would go and you know it's always good when you get people who get that okay we're gonna make it you know we're gonna take it seriously but without making it serious
2: yeah, yeah, right. Like that's the mm-hmm. whole key to it. Like we're going mm-hmm. to treat this uh with love and respect, but we're gonna have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I feel like the mutant mayhem was kind of the same way. Um there was a lot of um nostalgia bait in that movie, um, for uh, they were trying to get the parents who had grew up with the ninja turtles who have kids and get them in the theater with their kids and um mission accomplished because there was a lot of really cool nostalgia bait in that movie um but it they did a better job than just doing that like the the art style was really cool is reminiscent of into uh, the spider verse art, art style um stylistic rather than um, um more cartoony um and uh, just uh, gosh some really good really really good humor um, and a good message. Um, so yeah I like, I like both of those movies a lot righto
1: So okay so from the last one and you'll forgive because I make it a little modeling or a bit more serious in the fun aspect. So uh, personal kind of story here just for a moment. This was not the easiest year for me. This was a very rough year. Family stuff, personal stuff can happen. So for me, actually, my favorite thing this year was my tribe that I have here in New Orleans, of which you two guys are part of. And I always say, I mean, yes, you have your family, and there's people that you know and you love and you you know that grew up with you, but there's also the people you find along the way, the people that share the road with you, the people that are part of your journey. And this was the year where I leaned on my tribe the most that I ever had for so many reasons. So that was my favorite thing this year, you know, more than anything, just because you don't realize how much you need it until you do need it. And it's always great when you find it and you're able to tap into it. And you're so, it lifts you when you need lifted, it. It supports you when you need to be supported. And that's the thing that I think I'm going to remember best about this year.
0: Yeah. You know, that was on my list too, above, you know, the podcasts and Ahsoka was that same (laughs) thing. Feel like the three amigos? Yeah, yeah. Before the the car, I'll I'll take care of the homeless kids first. (laughs) I'm sorry, Fredo. No, that was that was very sweet of you to say. That was yeah.
2: Like, what are you thankful for this year? You know, it's like oh my new video game controller, and it's like everyone else is like peace on earth. You know, like it's like you ever see the movies? Did you ever
1: see the movie Sneakers? With Robert yeah. Radford, uh, Oh, yeah, I, Yeah, going, I want peace on earth and goodwill for old men. And then and then Jameson Jones like, What do you think we are? We're the we're the CIA. We don't do that sort of thing. <laughs> and meanwhile, Ben Acker is like, I want to win a bagel. Yeah. Everyone and uh, a
2: car or a vacation.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, City Body is like uh, I'll I want to go to Tahiti. That's he's <laughs> not
0: in Europe. That's what I said. It's from Three Amigos. It's like you know, what are you yeah. gonna, what are you gonna do with the money? Is like, I'm gonna buy a big race cars, and what are you gonna do? I'm gonna be, so, yeah. Anyway, no, that's like yeah. said. I'm sorry, I had to yeah. because no. I'm the irreverent no, no. person. But who, that's part
1: of it. That is part of it. Yeah, but the, all means,
2: you know, like I, I got to go to Chicago this year with with my family. That was a lot of fun. There were a lot of experiences um, that. You know, friends and family that I've had this year that I wouldn't trade for anything. Um, but yeah, like, uh, making us look bad there, Fredo. You
0: know, I I, I, I will say this it's, um, you know, as, as you feel comfortable, I'll put it that way as you feel comfortable, you know, the pandemic really got us into, into a habit of, not wanting or needing or not thinking about getting together with friends like we once did you know things become a you know a, a video thing or you know we're in um i'm thankful that yeah the, and to to feed off of that is that it's you know it's starting to be a little bit more of that communal you know getting together with people like I so, said so I would encourage you to um, as you feel comfortable you know
1: um. well, kind of like you pointed out your movie going experience there's something about being in that room surrounded by people and sharing that reaction whether it's a laugh or a, or a scare or a moment of just like anger or whatever reaction to the the piece of art playing in front of you so listening out of you it's one thing to do it at home it's another thing to do it in a group you
2: know, there's a phrase, uh, touch grass that has taken off on the internet of, uh, it, it, it comes from a place of well-meaning actually. Um, mm-hmm. like you need to unplug for a little while. You need to get out into the real world, um, and have actual human interaction and it's an exceedingly valuable thing. So, um, Yeah. And everybody should touch grass and get out there and, uh, and, and have some fun with some real people.
0: Well, and you know, it just the same thing that Fredo was talking about. I mean, this podcast, we don't have, a, we don't have a gazillion listeners. You know, we, we, we are not making money off of this. This is really an excuse for three very good friends to sit and talk about things that they get nerded out over. And maybe some people will enjoy listening to that. But, you know, I, so I look forward to doing this all the time. Um, Like I said, having the conversation, busting chops, you know, so um, yeah. But uh, so anyway, man, well, yeah, we'll, we'll end on that group hug. So uh, group hug. Yeah. But uh, so until next year. Well, And you can let us know what your favorite things are, you know, on it, when you see us. But you know keep it, keep it PG, please. Um, but <laughs> um, but uh, let us know on on Twitter, on Facebook, or if you see us on the street corner or whatever. Uh, but until next year, we will say who dat? Huh? And everybody, have a wonderful set of holidays, however you celebrate. And if you don't celebrate, find something to celebrate. Uh, Have a wonderful time. See ya.